Welcome to The Math of You, a podcast about formative media from when we were young. I'm Lucas Brown. And yes, we are back with another quiz. This time, longtime collaborators Chris Sims and Matt Wilson will be drawn into combat with the greatest of prizes on the line. Who will be risen in victory? Who will languish in defeat? Who will eat the tainted Oreo? We join this conversation already in progress. Hello, the second ever Math of You quiz. This week, rather than siblings, we've gone with longtime collaborators. So contestants, why don't you step forward and introduce yourself? You always go first. Why don't you go first? Uh, okay. Because you know what? I do always go first. So I was going to let you do it. Not if this is how you're going to be. Hi, everybody. My name is Chris Sims. I am a comic book writer, a columnist, and a podcast host, including I am one of the two hosts of the War Rocket Ajax podcast. And I'm the other host of the War Rocket Ajax podcast. My name is Matt D. Wilson. Gotta remember that middle initial D. Gotta get that D in there. I am also a comic book writer. I'm an author. Sometimes I consider myself to be a humorist. I have written several books. I host several podcasts, including War Rocket Ajax. And Chris, you and I have been doing podcasts together for eight years, going on nine years. Is it only going on nine? Because this Christmas is going to be our 10th Christmas special. Right, but I was not... You weren't the host of the first one. You were just on it. I wasn't the co-host on War Rocket Ajax for the first year. Yeah. So I've only been co-host for 340-some episodes. Only. Only. Yeah. A a trifling amount. A pittance. And we also, of course, we've made up for that, though. We also co-host the Movie Fighters podcast and the Snack Situation podcast, where we eat snacks and rank them. That's right. And that will come into play probably a little later on, I think. That's called a tease. Foreshadowing. I am going to be pitting these two longtime collaborators against one another in an event that I am calling the Great Ajaxian Bash. (laughs) That's very good. That's very good, Lucas. There will be five rounds of questions. Questions will be directed to each contestant in turn. Although, at any time, because the most Lucas Brown thing on the planet at a trivia contest is to know the answer and have the question directed at someone else, if your opponent does not know the answer, you may ring in by giving the traditional, oh, oh, I know this, I know this, and making a big fuss. At the end of some rounds, there will be a bonus question, which will be a fastest finger type question, and you must shout in with your buzzer, which will be your own name. Or possibly the drop from... The song Bad Company by Bad Company off the album Bad Company, depending. Chris Sims, if you do that, you will miss the opportunity because Matt will already be ringing in by the time that drop kicks in. It's a long drop. (laughs) I've got it queued up. And also, as we know, Matt Wilson is a trivia shark, so I am very interested to see how this will go. I went in for an in-person audition for Jeopardy about two years ago, and I will be once again taking the Jeopardy test as soon as it's available again. I once had like a casting director for a game show call me on the phone to give me like a little phone quiz and it was comic books 
and I biffed it. I think I got like 10 out of 50. <laughs> they were super hard. Also, Matt, do they tell you on Jeopardy how many changes of clothes you've got to bring? How many layers of jackets and shirts and stuff? I did not get the call to go to Los Angeles. So I did. The thing is, we watch them DVR'd, and so we're watching sometimes like three or four episodes in a row, and you're watching like. It's like Marge Simpson, like redoing the Chanel suit to a different outfit every time. Cause it's always like, oh, this guy's suddenly wearing a polar fleece, but he's very clearly wearing the same shirt as yesterday. Or now he has a tie. And before he didn't. They tape like 10 at a time. Yeah. It's, like they do a bunch at a single taping. Matt, are we just going to let Lucas Brown get away with just casually dropping that you DVR Jeopardy? Hey, I'm in another country. I guess that's true. All right. It's the only way to do it. Look, if I had a DVR, I would do the same because I can't always watch Jeopardy when it's on. The good thing is Jeopardy is on Foxtel Classics, which is the same uh, channel where they show, you know, I Love Lucy or Hogan's Heroes or old stuff like that. And so they show like three episodes a day from like 2015 through 2016. And then on, uh, currently just starting 2017, we just got the, the new intro for season, I think season 33 and stuff. So it's the only way to do it. It used to be how like, I'd go over to my girlfriend's house because she had Foxtel and I didn't. Jeopardy was on and I'm like, okay, I'm just going to casually hit series link on this. And when I come back, there's going to be like 25% of your DVR will be Jeopardy. Well, there you go. Yeah. I mean, I guess I wasn't considering that you are in Australia. No shame in that game. I, I say <laughs> there's a little bit of shame in that game. There's a little bit of shame show in that game show. Also, I would never make it onto actual Jeopardy purely because of all the American history questions and American college questions. I would completely rip those. Well, let me give you a word of advice, Lucas. Mm -hmm. If you ever do try to go on Jeopardy and uh, the final Jeopardy is anything and you don't know what it is, just guess Mark Twain. <laughs> I was going to go with the, what are three people who have never been in my kitchen. <laughs> All right, so let's get started. Let the great Ajaxian bash begin. The first round will be general pop cultural trivia. I just realized I said pop cultural. I have no idea if that's a word. It is. That's one point for me. That's one point for me. It is a word. <laughs> there will be three questions each for music, for wrestling, TV, and movies. All right, Chris, we will start with you because I've heard you always go first. <laughs> that's what I hear. In four or five seconds by Rihanna, Kanye West, and Paul McCartney, what day is it? Tuesday. Correct. Because they got three more days till Friday. Uh, nice. That was a guess purely informed by uh, Mr. M. Bison. <laughs> it is true. The best kind of correct, because for you, it is Tuesday. Except it's not. It's actually yes, Friday. <laughs> I, was, I, did, I, I feel like Australia is only one day ahead, but maybe it's three. It's only one day ahead, but it is very early in the morning. Okay. <laughs> Matt. Yes. What two physical injury mishaps allegedly happened to Ed Sheeran while recording videos for his most recent album? I do not know this, but I will guess that he broke his foot and sprained his wrist. Incorrect. While shooting the video for Galway Girl, Cersei Ronan tattooed Galway Grill onto his arm, and during the photo shoot, Prince Beatrice cut his face with a ceremonial sword while knighting him. <laughs> okay, those. I like those. Those are good. 
Okay, Lucas, I don't want to push my advantage because I know that I'm in the lead. I do want to point out that you gave me a question where I, I had a one in seven chance of guessing and then presented <laughs> Matt Wilson with the infinite array of bad things that can happen to a human body. To Ed Sheeran specifically. I'm sure it'll even out here as we go. Okay, fair. All right, back to you, Chris. Name two of the five rappers from 1996's Hit Him High, the Monstars Anthem, as featured in the soundtrack to the 1996 alternate history live-action animated sports comedy film Space Jam, starring basketball baseball player Michael Jordan and the Looney Tunes cartoon characters. Okay, I'm going to say Hello Cool J and Tone Loke. I'm sorry, incorrect. Ooh, ooh, I know this, I know this. Matt with the steel. Buster Rhymes and... That's the only one I know for sure. Go with the second. Come on. Let's go with Method Man. <laughs> oh, last second. Correct. Yes. <laughs> the full and surprisingly hard list. Be real. LL Cool J, Method Man, Coolio, and Buster Rhymes. Oh. So I got one. This also may be why you cannot buy that song on iTunes. <laughs> so back over to you, Matt. After your surprisingly successful steal, recently, a deleted scene from Thor Ragnarok was released. In it, what was Jeff Goldblum's Grandmaster depicted doing? I feel like I have seen this deleted scene, and I'm blanking on what it was. Was he looking in a mirror? I'm sorry, incorrect. Okay. He was having sex with a tentacle monster and making a sex tape. Okay. <laughs> How come that got deleted in this movie, PG-13 movie for children? <laughs> well, to be fair, in the deleted scene, they hadn't yet added any of the post-production effects. So it was some real, like, Bela Lugosi fighting with the octopus and making the octopus kill him, Edward shit. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to say they got a real tentacle monster. <laughs> so they wouldn't have to CGI it. You know, I would trust Taika Waititi to get a real tentacle monster. All right, back over to Chris. Chris, in the first film of the John Wick series, John Wick... Keanu Reeves' character, John Wick, receives a puppy from his late wife. What is that dog's name? I mean, the dog's name should be MacGuffin. <laughs> is it Rex? Incorrect, unfortunately. It was Daisy. Daisy. Because he has a little chain with the daisies on it that his wife wore. Okay, okay. You did not give Matt the chance to steal that one. Oh, I, I would have had to say, oh, oh, I know this. And, uh, and okay. I, I thought it was a trick question. I was going to say the dog did not have a name. In the second one, but... the dog does not have a name. But you're right, that was poor form of me. Two options. One, MacGuffin. Two, Dog Wick. <laughs> Those are the two options. All right, over to Matt. If the Fast and Furious franchise was a human being, which of these things would it legally be allowed to do in North Carolina? A... Drink any beer they want, as long as it's a Corona. <laughs> B, drive a muscle car on a learner's permit. Or C, rent a carpet shampooer. Is it just one of these, or it could be any of these? Just one. Just one. Well, let's see. The first Fast and Furious movie, I think it would be beyond... Hmm, I'm going to say drive a muscle car on a learner's permit. Correct. Because the Fast and Furious series is 17 years old. Gee whiz. Yeah, okay. And you can... I can look this up. In North Carolina, you can get your learner's permit at 15. Right, yes. However, it's not 21, so it can't drink any Coronas, which, blessings, Coronas suck. And it cannot rent a carpet shampooer, as you have to be 18 to do that. Yeah, okay, good. In North Carolina, though! <laughs> I looked it up. <laughs> I, I bet you, 
I, I'll, I'll put all the points I have so far acquired, which is one, on the line right now and bet you I could, I could take our friend Bengali's three-year-old and go rent a carpet shampooer in the gray state of North Carolina. Oh, no. They keep those things under lock and key at the angles, my man. <laughs> Ain't nobody going to be checking IDs at Walmart. It's a responsibility, Chris. All right, Chris, mm-hmm. we've moved on to the pro wrestling round. Okay. All right. Okay. At 1995's In Your House 5 Seasons Beatings, Santa Claus comes to the ring with Savio Vega to give out presents. In a shocking mm-hmm. swerve, Santa attacked Savio and revealed himself to be who? A Stone Cold Steve Austin. Incorrect. What? Santa was revealed to be Santa Claus, who wore red and black, came from the South Pole, and stole presents from children, portrayed by future ECW alumnus Balls Mahoney. Oh. That would have been pre-Stone Cold. That's right. That's right. I was trying to think of who feuded with Savio Vega. It's true. Stone Cold did feud with Savio Vega, but this was before. And I have distinct memories of Jerry Lawler screaming, Ted DiBiase bought Santa! He bought Santa! That's a very good Jerry Lawler impression you've got there, Lucas Brown. That's a blessing and a curse. (laughs) Yeah. Give give me a... Ah! Ah! That's pretty good. Ah, That's awful. (laughs) I mean, it's good. It's very good, but it's awful. I'm just trying to think of something not terrible that I could say as Jerry Lawler, but there ain't none. Yeah, you just have to squeal. That's, that's the only Jerry Lawler trademark that you can pull off. All right, Matt. When Eddie Guerrero worked for NJPW, he competed under a mask as which of the following personas? Was it A, Wild Pegasus, B, Black Tiger, C, Super Liger, or D, the Calgary Kid? I would say Wild Pegasus? Ooh, ooh, I know this one. Okay. Chris for the steal. Wild Pegasus was Chris Benoit. Uh, Eddie Guerrero was Black Tiger. Correct. Calgary Kid was... The Miz. Was that The Miz? Okay. That was The Miz. And Super Liger was a very young and inexperienced Chris Jericho. I knew there was a Chris Jericho masked character too. Okay. Super Liger. Okay. Yeah, apparently it didn't go very well and he was extremely discouraged. Chris. Yes. Give me three of Jeff Hardy's nicknames or ring names. Uh, well, he is the charismatic enigma. He's Willow and he's Brother Nero. Correct. I also would have accepted Ingus Jinx, Itchweed, Willow the Wisp. <laughs> I forgot about Itchweed! <laughs> Wolverine, the rainbow-haired warrior, and Keith Davis. Oh, I forgot about Itchweed. Itchweed's a good one. <laughs> itchweed. Three E's on that Itchweed. Itchweed. I could not believe Ingus Jinx, which is spelled with a Y and an X. That's some North Carolina Organization of Modern Extreme Grappling Art <laughs> shit right there. Trampoline wrestling whole shit. Matt, we've moved into the TV round. Okay. Which former Law & Order alumni co-stars in Rizzolian Isles and also voiced Commissioner Barbara Gordon in 2000's Batman Beyond Return of the Joker? Hmm... I am, boy, I am racking my brain on this one. I don't, I just don't think I have it. Chris, do you want to steal? I can see her. I can pick her out of a lineup, but I don't know her name. She's Rizzoli. I know that. She is Rizzoli. I do need the actress's name. You got me. I, cause Isles is the, uh, the coroner. She's the detective. I'm pretty sure I could see her face in my, in my mind also. And you can probably hear her voice as well. She has a very distinctive voice. It is Angie Harmon. Angie Harmon. Angie Harmon. That's why it's like when she turned up as Commissioner Gordon and opened her mouth, I'm like, I know who that is. It made actually a very good Barbara Gordon at the sort of the end of her career. Yeah, I think so. 
All right, Chris, this one is directly up your alley, considering what you've been watching lately. I'm very glad this is this wheel has landed on you for this particular question. Okay. Which of the following doctors for long-running series ER is alive as of the end of the show? Ooh. Is it A, Ooh. David Morgenstern, played by William H. Macy? Is it B, Lucy Knight, played by Kelly Martin? C, Robert Rocket Romano, played by Paul McCrane? Or D, Dennis Gant, played by Omar Epps? Can I get, can I do a quick substitution switch out with Aiden, who has watched ER from start to finish four times? I will allow it. Babe, babe, are you here? Wait, are we doing, are we doing lifelines? <laughs> babe, I need you. Babe. <laughs> babe. <laughs> okay, who's alive at the end of ER? This is a, this is a question that I've just been asked on this quiz by Lucas Brown. Okay, uh, is Omar Epps alive? I have no idea. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay, I'm going to say William H. Macy. Shockingly, that is correct. Wow. <laughs> Shot in the dark. <laughs> Thanks, babe. I love you. I love you. Yeah, David Morgenstern, as played by William H. Macy, was alive but in a nursing home. Lucy Knight died at the hands of a patient in a really brutal way because mm, problems with women that show. Robert Rocket Romano had a helicopter fall on him from the roof to the parking lot. Okay, that one even would have known for sure. What a brutal television show. Yeah, and this is also the same doctor who had lost an arm to a helicopter blade in an earlier season. Man, helicopters. He's like, why did it have to be helicopters? Bad times with helicopters. He's coming down and he's like, oh no, it's happening again. And finally, Dennis Gant, played by Omar Epps, committed suicide by jumping in front of a train. Christ almighty. You know, for kids. <laughs> Jesus. And these were just like the ones with well-known actors. I could have gone down a very large list of dead doctors on ER. It was kind of depressing. All right, Matt. On The Great British Baking Show, or Great British Bake Off, what did former hosts Mel and Sue do if they felt a baker needed some privacy away from the cameras? Would they block them with their bodies? Ooh, I know this one. I know this one. Yes, Chris? They would stand near them and swear so that they know the footage could not be used. Correct. Ah. Yeah, they would swear or recite brand names is the other thing. Because BBC can't show advertising. <laughs> so they would just go over and be like Nutella, Kraft, Aston Martin. That's pretty good. That's something I guess you have to know the behind the scenes on that show for. Because obviously that stuff never aired. <laughs> I think it's very cute that that's how they, because that would also like cheer you up if you were like having a bad day and someone was just yeah. coming over and being like, owners. And they would only do it if someone was having like a really crappy time and like something didn't work and they like needed a moment to cry and it would be too there. Oh, apparently I made Aiden lose her Overwatch game, so now I have to explain the question. Yeah. It was a four choice, multiple choice question on who survived at the end of ER. And the options were William H. Macy, which was true. Yeah. Omar Epps apparently committed suicide by jumping in front of a train. Right, he does, doesn't he? I, I mean, I guess you would. Then there was the guy who had the helicopter dropped on him twice. Yep, uh, Rocket Romano. <laughs> yeah, you got it. And who was the other one, Lucas? Lucy Knight. Lucy Knight. Oh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That was the same yeah. tone that I used. Did she get stabbed to death? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. She, she was killed stabbed. by a patient. Yeah. yeah, she gets stabbed to death. Very sad. All right. So I got it anyway. You were not like a super great lifeline, but I appreciated the moral you didn't support. You give me the options. You just said, who's still alive? Like, it's an ensemble cast. <laughs> there have been literally <laughs> seven to 800 people on ER. <laughs> Thank you, dear. I love you. Yeah, I <laughs>
<sighs> so at the end of this round, I have a bonus question. So remember, you can buzz in with your name to be the first one to answer this. Okay. Kanye loves you like Kanye loves what? Matt, Matt, Matt. Chris, Matt, Matt, Matt was first. Kanye. Correct. <laughs> Just saying, I got a Valentine's Day card for Kimiko that said, uh, I love you like Kanye loves Kanye. And it went over very well in this household. <laughs> so at the end of this round, we have Chris on five points and Matt on three points. And once again, at the end of the pop culture round, I found myself worrying, did I over-prepare for this? <laughs> What's the highest score someone's gotten? I guess we're the second episode, right? So what's the what's the established high score? Ooh, in that first round? Let me check. It, like, overall. What am I shooting for? Overall. Uh, if I want to become the Ken Jennings of this situation. Well, the most recent match ended in a 21 to 20 finish. Ooh. And at the end of the first round, it was 4 to 1. But it was very close. During, for the majority of the first round, it was nil-nil. So that's why I was saying I overprepared. All right. Well, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited. I think we can do it. The next round is an either or round. So you need to tell me if the word that I'm saying to you is an Ikea item. So a piece of furniture, a line, something like that, or a first or last name of a Star Wars character from A New Hope. Just from A New Hope? Just from A New Hope. I kept it simple. No expanded universe, no prequels. Okay. All right. I assume there's no stealing here as it's an either or. Either or. Exactly. Okay. All right. Chris. Yes. Doic. That is Ikea. Incorrect. Doic Naats was a big musician who played the Dorinian Beshnikwal as a regular member of the band Figure and Dan and the Modal Notes. He was present in the canteen. Yeah, I know he was present in the canteen. Lucas. <laughs> I know where the Modal Notes play. <laughs> <laughs> the venom in your voice. <laughs> Matt, Arsted. That's Ikea. With pleated fabric shades and bases and tubes and a choice of nickel or brass look, the lamps in the Arsted series add a timeless charm to your home. Chris, a Plauro. Ikea. Whether you like relaxed outdoor dining or soaking up a little sunshine, the Aplaro series is all you need to create the perfect outdoor living area. Matt, Garvan. Mmm. If you like, I could spell it. Please do spell it. G-A-R-V-E-N. I think that's also Ikea. Garvin Dries was a male human pilot from Virajansi who oh. served in the Alliance to restore the Republic during the Civil War. He had the call sign of Red Lear. Okay. Chris. Yes? Praji. Ikea. Nadonis Praji was a male human who served as a commander in the Imperial military. He was on the Devastator where he served as Darth Vader's aide and was tasked with capturing the droids on Tatooine. Well, he didn't do a very good job now, did he? No, he didn't. Although he did report the failure to Vader and walked away with his life, so props to him. Mm. <laughs> Matt, Ostana. Could you please say that again? Ostana. Ostana. O-S-T-A-N-A. Star Wars. With Ostana, you get bright, clear bathroom lighting for God an price. <laughs> the rowdy shape fixture is designed specifically to complement your bathroom furniture series, Lilengen, but they'll add a softer touch to the style of any bathroom, big or small. I keep thinking I know like what sounds Dutch and what doesn't, and I'm... <laughs> I don't have the ear for it that I think I do. Here's the problem, bro. You're going with Dutch. You need to be going with Swedish. Oh, that's true. It's Swedish. <laughs> All right, Chris. Will Huff. Will Huff is 100% Star Wars. Will Huff Tarkin was a human male serving with the Galactic Republic and later the Galactic Empire, serving as its first Grand Moff. Yeah, y'all didn't think I knew Grand Moff Tarkin's first name. <laughs> y'all didn't think I knew that, but I did. All right, Matt. Kalex. Is it spelled K-A-L-A-X? K-A-L-L-A-X. Maybe I'm overthinking these. I'm going to say Star Wars for that one. 
stack them up, mount them on the wall, use them as a room divider, yeah. display your treasures or a hydro runner. I have one right next to me. Whatever you need. That one I need. The design of a Kallax shelf series makes it one of our most flexible and versatile solutions. Your boy loves a Kallax. <laughs> I'm also, I've also, I'm really thinking that you're going to like vary up the Star Wars, one Star Wars, one Ikea for each round, and it has not varied up. It has indeed. I've mixed it up. Chris, Solaron. Uh, I'm sorry. I can hear Aiden watching ER in the other room. <laughs> Who's died so far? Probably a lot of people. Solar, you said? Solaron. Solaron. Solaron's a Star Wars, I feel. If sunshine and fresh air aren't enough to make you spend more time outside, it's for a good reason. A series of outdoor seating that offers beautiful design and inviting comfort. Matt, Crail. Crail. Can I get the spelling of Crail? K-R-A-I-L. All right. I feel like if Crail was Swedish, it would be a double A and not an I. Let's just go with Star Wars. Davish Crail was a Y-wing pilot for the Rebel Alliance during the Battle of Yavin. Thank you. His call sign was Gold 5. Chris. Jectono. Ikea. Oh, Jectono Porkins was a male human trader and pilot from Besting. <laughs> Fuck, it was Jack Porkins! God damn it! This gold Jack was Porkins. <laughs> I thought that one was going to be Fuck. too easy. I nearly didn't include it. Oh, hey, hey, get bent, buddy. <laughs> I'm going to eat this cookie. I was tempted to shorten it to Tono, but I can't, I can't include middle names. It'll make it too hard. God damn it. The final question in this round, Drapar. Drapar. Spelled D-R-O-P-P-A-R. Gonna go Ikea on that one. The Drop Our Food Storage series is equal parts storage and decor. The frosted glass lids will show off what you've stored without it looking messy. All right, nice little swing back up there at the end. All right, so at the end of the either-or round, we have Chris on seven points and Matt on five points. Mm, close that gap. Close that gap. I think the gap stayed the same that time. <laughs> it did, in fact. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I guess it did. But, you know, percentage-wise, it's smaller. Now, before we move on to the next round, I have asked our contestants to come up with a prize that the loser will be forced to give the winner. The prize our contestants today have come up with is very much in their wheelhouse. So, gentlemen, would you like to explain? Yeah, I want to own a house, and Matt has one. So, uh, if I win, I get Matt's house. You have broken the contract. (laughs) That is untrue. (laughs) No, that's not what we're doing. I'm not going to take your house, Matt. Your house is very nice. Thank you. No, here's what we're going to do. We co-host a podcast. It's the hottest podcast in all of podcasting. It's called Snack Situation, where we try snacks. Now, usually on that show, what we do is we both try snacks concurrently, and then we rank those snacks on a list. This challenge, as a result of it, one of us is going to be forced to eat snacks that the other one of us does not want to eat. Yeah. While the other person gets to eat the snacks of their choosing. So specifically, we're looking at flavors of Oreos that we're just very not stoked about, (laughs) like apple pie flavored Oreos or the hot cinnamon flavored Oreos that just, just does not sound like a good time. Stuff that we have like actively said we would not be doing on Snack Situation. So Big Red Gum and Oreos together at last. All the fun of eating Big Red Gum and chewing on an Oreo. We're particularly aiming for like stuff that's going to have like a gross chemical-y flavor, like the Peeps Oreos. However, we are not naming the exact Oreos that we are going to try at this point because we want them to be available at the time of recording, whenever we end up recording that episode of Snack Situation. 
So those Oreo types will be agreed upon at a later date when we can go actually go purchase the Oreos. But rest assured, one of us will be eating some gross Oreos. A bold statement. So for the next round, I asked each contestant to nominate a speciality, a topic that they were experts in. Matt, being the KG underhanded devil that he is, immediately asked if the category would be asked to both contestants so he could pick one that he would be better at than Chris. And he chose horror movies. I absolutely did not ask that question. <laughs> Chris, despite my best efforts to dissuade him, chose Batman. I said go with Transformers because Matt hasn't read any Transformers books, but here we are. But I'm confident. I am confident. However, in a patented Matthew View twist, with our specialty rounds, the contestant that chose the category does not get first crack at the question. It is instead given to the other contestant, and only if they don't get it can the person who chose that category ring in. So Chris, you will be getting all of the horror movie questions first, and Matt, you will be getting all the Batman questions first. Chris, did you see why I wanted you to pick Transformers? <laughs> look, look, I'm like fucking Mr. Terrific over here. I got fair play <laughs> written on my arms. <laughs> I'm here to play fair, unlike some people. <laughs> unlike Deacon's bastard, Matt D. Wilson. <laughs> Look, I'm going entirely by the rule book, my friend. Yes, your boy plays to win. I want that house. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Chris. In Scream, in pop- popular film franchise Scream, Randy lists the rules you must abide by to successfully survive a horror movie. Rule one, you can never have sex. Rule two, you can never drink or do drugs. And rule three, never, ever, ever, under any circumstances, say what? I'll be right back. Correct, because you won't be back. Good start, Chris. That's that's Matthew Lillard. That's my Matthew Lillard <laughs> knowledge coming into play. M. M. Lills. And his weird tongue thing that he does in that movie. Or like every movie, really. Matt, what detail was included in Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo's Zero Year Batsuit? as an homage to the very first 1939 Batman story. Purple gloves. Correct. You guys are doing really well at this. Go figure. It's only one question each, Lucas. Don't. Compared to the first round. (laughs) Chris, in the 1997 film, I Know What You Did Last Summer, what, in fact, did the protagonist do last summer? They ran somebody over with their car. Correct. They hit a guy with their car, and they hid the evidence. You've managed to hit on two scary movies that I've seen. <laughs> also, that's in the trailer for I Know What You Did Last Summer. <laughs> Matt, that trailer came out 21 years ago. That trailer could drink any that it wants, as long as it was a Corona. When, when you were like 15 years old, the height of trailer watching years. <laughs> that was pre-YouTube. That was eight years pre-YouTube. <laughs> the height of my trailer watching years was 2005 when YouTube existed and I had a comic book store job. Ah, what about all those pay-per-view trailers they would show on the tv guide channel that was where i got most of my trailers Uh, that's true i did i did watch a lot of those all right matt what character was introduced in batman comics first catwoman or the penguin i think catwoman was in like the very very earliest batman comics so i'm gonna say catwoman correct catwoman was in 1940 and the penguin was until a year later in 1941 chris what are the two names given for the demon possessing Reagan in The Exorcist? Pazuzu and Captain Howdy. Correct. Nicely done. I had to write an article about demonic possession not too long ago. <laughs> <laughs> this is like that Slumdog Millionaire shit. It's like I have to think back to what I've done in my life. <laughs> yeah, I, I watched I Know What You Did Last Summer in 1998. 
And then like four months ago, I wrote an article about demonic possession. It's a very boring slumdog millionaire. <laughs> nah. Look, our new bat hound recognizes the bat signal. There he goes, ready for action. What breed of dog was Ace the Bat Hound in his very first appearance? Woof. Literally woof. <laughs> Matt, if, if you're if you're tapping out, I I think I know this one. I'm pretty sure you do know this one. I'm just gonna take a stab at it though. Okay. And say that he was a German shepherd. Correct. Yes! <laughs> You got it. You got it. Although, to be fair, the very best Ace the Bat Hound is from Batman Beyond, where he's a Dane mix and 100% fucking rules. <laughs> the current Ace the Bat Hound is also not a German huh? Shepherd. All right, Chris. What is inside the fog featured in John Carpenter's The Fog, a movie about a fog directed by John Carpenter? Is it a cheat if I say water vapor? That is not correct. That's what's inside fog, Lucas. It's what's inside fog. It's not what's inside this fog, and you'll realize why in a minute. Okay, it's uh, it's it's well, it's that fog that'll turn your body inside out. Matt, do you want to steal? I will steal. Yes. Oh, ooh, I know this. Go for it. Although I'm not sure if I remember it right. Like little demon monsters. Um, they're called the Revenants. Is it vape juice? <laughs> It is the Elizabeth Dane, a clipper ship crewed by vengeful revenant sailors led by a leprous pirate. So, Matt, you are correct. Yes. I. <laughs> he said revenants, and that was enough to get me on board. Also, that movie yeah. is wild. I, I feel like the most, the more important part would have been the boat. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like the boat is the important. It's fine. It's fine. I'll take. I'll take my lost grace. All right. It's fine. Matt, in Batman sixty six. How far is the exit from the Batcave from Gotham City? It's on the sign. It is, in fact, on the sign. Uh, oh, boy. Chris definitely knows this. But I cannot, I cannot remember the sign. I cannot remember the number. I, I'll just say 20 miles. Incorrect. Okay. Okay. Uh, ooh, I know this one. It's either 13 or 14. And I'm, uh, it's, I, I want to say 14 miles. Correct. Yes. It's 14 miles to Gotham City. Chris, director of Night of the Living Dead, George Romero, was given a private screening of Shaun of the Dead before release. What direct homage to his film did Romero not spot until Edgar Wright pointed it out afterwards? Saying, we're coming to get you, Barbara, on the phone. Correct. All right, this is one where I'm a little embarrassed actually asking it because it's very specific, but I will ask it anyway. Matt. Okay. In Batman 66, who was Art Carney's The Archers, Girl Friday, who carried a boombox that played his cheering crowd noises? Ugh. And I know that Chris knows this one. I actually don't. I don't think I do. That's no answer, no steal. It was Made Marilyn. Made Marilyn. Okay. That's right. Also, that episode fucking rules. I watched it the other day because they've been showing them and I've been watching them with Piero. That episode's weird. Art Carney no, is having is. such a good time. I would have known that, but I didn't get to the Archer in my uh, episode guide before it got canceled due to lack of interest. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I've been following along in your episode guide whenever I finished an episode, and I got really mad there wasn't one of you just talking about Art Carney and his weird-ass take on Robin Hood. <laughs> we will go forth into Yonder Castle. Maid Marilyn, play the cheers for these violets. <laughs> Chris. What director, stunt performer, and makeup artist cameoed in From Dusk Till Dawn as a biker bitten by a vampire who turns into a giant rat when decapitated, and what was the name of the character he played? That was Tom Savini as Sex Machine. Correct. 
By the way, a friend of my dad's took me to see that movie in the theater when I was 14. And he had to do a lot of explaining to my dad when I came home talking about a vampire titty bar. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Matt, last question in this round. In a 1980 Ask the Answer Man column, Bob Rosakis gave Batman's birthday. According to the date Bob gave, what is Batman's star sign? This is just a guess. I will say Aquarius. You were very close with the water sign, but Batman is in fact a Pisces, according to a superhero calendar that came out a long time ago. Is it in April? It's February 19th. February 19th. Okay. Oh, man, I was close. Yeah, Yeah, you were. Some of them give it as May 27, 1939 from the print date, but the actual like Bruce Wayne's birthday is apparently in February. Unless you're Frank Miller, who just said, "Eh, sometime in November. (laughs) That's weird because Superman's canonical birthday is February 29th. So I wonder if they have like, it was just like, hey, everybody in the Justice League report to the... (laughs) cafeteria we've got a cake for both of them yeah we're doing all the birthdays for this month with one cake which is shit they do in my office and it drives me nuts i'm like give me my own cake every year they go to the bakery and say all right this time put the superman logo inside the batman logo (laughs) and next year we'll do it the other way and it says in icing it's congratulations batman parentheses bruce wayne no don't write bruce wayne (laughs) (laughs) after that round chris you are on 13 points matt you are on nine points Mm, Gap got bigger. Gap indeed got bigger. Oh, you know what's going to taste real good? Not eating (laughs) apple pie Oreos. Yeah. For the next round, I am drawing on your history as collaborators. Because you see, when one does a show like The Math of You and has folks like yourselves on, I get to learn a lot of information about my guests and how they grew up and what they were into. And so now I will put you to the test as collaborators. Chris, you will be answering questions about Matt and what Matt said (laughs) on The Math of You. And Matt, you will be doing the same for Chris. Okay, question. Is there stealing in this round? There absolutely is. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I've listened to Matt's episode. So. And I've listened to yours. I need to add the proviso. These are correct as to what was said on the episode, not to real life. We will go to the tape if there's a question. <laughs> okay, okay. We have spoken to each other virtually every day for nine years. That's so true. I think we've got the research under the belt. All right, so we will start with Chris. Here are your questions about one Matt D. Wilson. How far west of Charlotte is Matt's hometown of Shelby, North Carolina? I mean, well, that's, I mean... Time-wise, let's say. About an hour. Correct, it is an hour west of Charlotte. To what magazine did Small Matt have a subscription? Disney Adventures? Ooh, ooh, I know this. (laughs) Matt with a steal. Mad. It was Mad Magazine. Oh, okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. Small Matt's early entries into television and film piracy were aided by which relative? Uh, his brother. Ooh, ooh, I know this. <laughs> Matt with the steel. My Aunt Diane. <laughs> Aunt Diane is correct. She would tape things like the Bozo Show off of TV and give them to Matt in boxes covered in stickers. Oh, I remember that. I remember that. Chris, what superhero animated series does Matt feel most informed his developing sense of humor? Freakazoid? Ooh, ooh, I know this. God damn it! Matt with a steal. The Tick. Fuck, that's so fucking obvious. God damn it. That's like that one. I'm mad at myself. I nearly put in a question about why you have to focus on the deadly bulb's deadly bulb head because he has a pig for a foot. But I thought that was too specific and not about that. God, I'm embarrassed now. I'm flustered after that Aunt Diane one. It's got me off my game. (laughs) 
Chris, apart from Who Framed Roger Rabbit, what work became the blueprint for Small Bat's view of noir and love of noir fiction? I don't know what the name of it is, and I believe Matt did not know the name, but it was about dogs. Ooh, ooh, it was I know. about dog cops. Ooh, ooh, I know it. Dog detectives. <laughs> Matt with the steel. Dog City. Dog City is correct. <laughs> I thought you couldn't remember the name. Oh, I know the name. Oh. Well, he knew the name and then I filled him in because I had also seen that show. Oh my god. I've never seen it. I only know about it from Matt. See, I'd only seen the animated third season and Matt had seen the sort of the pilot that was Muppets. Yes. So. Yes. I feel like I should get partial credit for knowing that Matt loved just some weird show about dogs solving <laughs> crimes and it was a noir parody with dogs. Come on. That is good. I No half points in the Matt TV. Also, I am at a huge disadvantage because between the two of us, I talk about myself fucking constantly. <laughs> All right, Chris. Finish this battle cry from Dog City. I am the precious sands of the hourglass of society. I am the time that wounds all heals. I am who? I have no idea. Ooh, I know this. Matt? Ace U. Incorrect. Oh, it's not Ace U. Okay. It was the watchdog from the Who Watches the Watchdog episode of the Oh show. my god. Okay, so that's something you know, because I didn't watch the cartoon show. But then I informed you, so therefore you know it. So thanks. <laughs> Also, he had that five minutes to midnight clock on his chest, so maybe he's a doomsday clock tie-in. I don't fucking know. I feel like this is a this is a rough round for me personally <laughs> as the person who has to continue being Matt's podcasting partner with Matt knowing that I am biffing all these questions. <laughs> all right, Chris, what parody film did Matt see before the blockbuster upon which it is based? What parody film did Matt see? I, I mean... I mean, a lot of them probably, right? Like, uh, like airplane? Ooh, ooh, I think I know this. Matt for the steal. I saw Spaceballs before I saw Star Wars. Correct. Okay, well, that's fucking bananas. <laughs> what Spaceballs character intrigued Matt with his rich inner life? I mean, it's very difficult for me to remember the names of any Spaceballs characters. I can remember the names of three. Is, is it Mel Brooks's dude? Ooh, ooh I know this. Matt and Steel. Dark Helmet. It's Dark Helmet. He wanted a Jason Aaron comic series about it. Or a book. Of course. Of course. It was the bad guy because it's Matt Wilson. Of course <laughs> yep. it was. He had his little dolls that he played with. <laughs> Didn't notice you playing with your dolls again, sir. Chris, upon what shocking disc jockey radio show was Matt railroaded into vocally portraying King Oblivion PhD for the first time? Uh, that was on the Man Cow Show. I was around for that one. Did you ask him about Super Brawl on there? Did you have a chance? I did not have an opportunity to ask about Super Brawl on the Man Cow Show. I remember that they just like cut you in like abruptly. And it was just like, he wasn't the one who asked if you had any good insults in there. That was Jerry Lawler. That was Jerry Lawler. He asked me if this was a book that Obama would read. That's right. <laughs> I was trying to remember what this particular joke was. And then they hung up on me. <laughs> Never even got to ask about uh, Super Bowl 7. Nope, I did huh. not. All right, Chris, I feel like this one's up your alley. What sort of barbecue did Matt grow up eating and be as specific as you can? Matt grew up eating Red Bridges barbecue in Shelby. That is true, but ooh, ooh I know this. Yes, Matt? It's Lexington-style barbecue. Correct. I would... No, no, no. <laughs> Hang the fuck on. I, I named the establishment. That wasn't I named the... the... 
I named the restaurant, Matt. That wasn't the only place. I went to Alston Bridges. I went to the Hickory Log. God, I named the restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> I was also going to ask if Matt preferred chopped or sliced, but Matt prefers sliced because he's a sensible human being. I do prefer sliced. Gross. That's gross. That's ridiculous. Doesn't have as much like uh, little burnt pieces in it. Uh, the burnt pieces are good. And I'm 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 up to here with this. <laughs> I'm up to here with this whole thing. I named the restaurant. There is actually a barbecue place at the fish market in Sydney called Vic's Meat Market where they're a butcher shop and they have a barbecue place on the side. And I did, in fact, ask for slice nut chops and I felt very virtuous and saying, Good on you. Good on you, Lucas. Also, I always go to that fish market and I get overwhelmed by like all the crazy people like shoving fish at you instead of telling you to buy it and then just retreat and have barbecue. <laughs> Chris, mm-hmm. what is Matt's number one main criteria for a good barbecue restaurant? And I will clarify, if this criteria is not in this particular restaurant, he will walk out the door. They have a pitcher of sweet tea. Correct. (laughs) On the table. On the table. On the table. Chris, what country, in Matt's opinion, is the originator of what is now American barbecue? What country? Yes. Uh, I, I, what country? I don't know. Jamaica? Ooh, ooh. Ooh, ooh, I know this. Matt with the steel. Uh, Scotland, the home of roast pork sandwiches. Is that why you went to Scotland on your honeymoon? It is not the reason, but it became a really important thing when I was there. I feel like I have just stepped off a waterfall of crushing humiliation in this particular round of this quiz. I mean, I have to do this too, so. Oh, I know. (laughs) (laughs) There is a bonus question at the end. Remember, fastest buzzer that is your name. What does Matt have on a Chicago style hot dog? Uh, Matt tomatoes. Oh, Matt, oh wait, bring in first. I didn't realize that was the. I didn't realize that was a bonus question. I thought you were just teasing the bonus question. Go, go ahead, Matt. Matt. You're asking specifically what I get on a hot dog. Yes. Fucking ketchup. Ketchup. <laughs> you know what? I will give it to both of you on that because the minute you clarified that question, Chris knew it. So I will give one point each on that. <laughs> I rang in though. That's true. You did. I was unfamiliar <laughs> with the rules of the game. All right, so at the end of the Chris Answered Questions About Bat round, we have Matt on 17 points and Chris on 18 points. That gap has narrowed. So Matt, are you ready to answer questions about Chris? Yes. And they're not about barbecue, I promise. Matt, how far from the state capital of Columbia is Chris's hometown of Sumter in distance? In distance, not in time. I think it's like 90 miles. Ooh, I know this one. Chris. It is about 50 miles. Specifically, it was 48 miles from my front door to the comic book store where I worked. You are directly quoted as about 50 miles east. What magazine did Small Chris have a subscription to? Wizard. Ooh, I know this one. Chris. Nintendo Power. Nintendo Power is correct. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. That one's, yeah, I should have had that one. Matt, what book was incredibly important to small crits to understanding the act of writing and the act of editing? I remember you talking about this on the show. And why can I not remember the book? You're going to take a guess? I'm totally blanking on the title. Ooh, ooh, I know this one. Chris? The Princess Bride by William Goldman. Correct. Right. Right, right, right. After moving across the country on his birthday, what was small Chris's birthday present when he arrived? I think it was a video game. More specific. Castlevania? Ooh. Yes, Chris. I know this one. It was a Nintendo. 
but I recently found out that wasn't true. What? Scandal. That was yeah. the correct answer. That's what you said on the show. So it's canon. I found out from my sister, because she was older than me, we actually got the NES that Christmas. What? Not on my birthday we moved. I don't know what I got on my birthday <laughs> other than other than living in South Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Matt. What was the deposit to rent a VCR from Sycamore Video when Chris was but a small child? <laughs> This one's just going to be a total guess. Let's say $40. Chris, do you have a steal? Ooh, I think I know this one. Was it 100 bucks? I think it was 100 bucks. Incorrect. It was $200. That's <laughs> outrageous. That's even funnier. <laughs> Matt, what game does Chris believe is a valuable teaching tool and should be included for free in every Nintendo console? A valuable teaching tool. I'm trying to think of the, the games that I know Chris just deeply loves. I will give you a hint. It is not one that I deeply love that I've talked about being my favorites. It is the one that I think is most instructive in terms of how to play video games. Okay. Hmm. Mega Man? Ooh, ooh I know this one. Chris, it's you. Super Mario Brothers. Okay. Yeah. They've made their money off it. They should just give it to you for free. <sighs> I was thinking that, but I thought it was too obvious. <laughs> Speaking of things that are not obvious, Matt, what was the name of the level of the 1992 Blues Brothers game that so confused Robin George of Nintendo Power, <laughs> a.k.a. the Matt and Chris of Nintendo Power? <laughs> I don't remember what that was. Oh, I know this Chris. one. It was Stairway to Heaven, and the exact line was, why are they trying to get to heaven? Are they spiritualists? <laughs> trying to see their dead relatives? <laughs> oh, by the way, Chris, this is a clean sweep for you so far. I just thought I'd point that out. You felt bad. I'm feeling a little better about missing so many of them. Yeah, I mean, these are, these are not, like, easy get-to-know-you questions. <clears throat> these are, you had to listen to the show yesterday questions. <laughs> All right, Matt, in Joe Deaver's Lone Wolf series, what was the character's name before his tribe was killed, leaving him, well, alone? I don't know. Ooh, I know this one. Chris. Silent Wolf. That is correct. And once everybody died, he became Lone Wolf. <laughs> the dopest origin story. <laughs> I hope you like Joe Deaver questions, because here comes another one. <laughs> In one of Deaver's other series, you are Cal Phoenix, the freeway warrior, champion and protector of D-Colony 1. A murderous gang of Havoc clansmen, led by the psychotic Mad Dog Michigan, are hell-bent at destroying your fragile colony as it crosses the wastelands of... where? It was California? Ooh, I know this one. Chris? The colony was Dallas, so it was Texas that you were okay. trying to get across. The wastelands of Texas, as only a they British man. The wastelands of Texas. They were trying to get to California. Is that right? Correct. Okay. Yes. 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 Well, I looked up some of that book. That's wild. <laughs> Good book. What did Small Chris ask for at the library instead of movie adaptations? The video game books. The <laughs> oh, what were the the Nintendo like the Nintendo books? Incorrect. Chris, can you uh, feel it? I didn't know the word adaptations, so I asked for adaptions. adaptions. Have we talked about those Nintendo books before, though, Chris? Oh, yeah, we've talked about the Worlds of Power oh, books. Power, I love yeah. them. They're the worst. I read those. I read one. Oh, God, I forget which one it was. It was like it was one where it was like he, this kid teamed up with like this barbarian warrior, and there was stuff like the dagger of throwing, and I had no idea it was a video game book. Yeah, it's Castlevania 2. There you go. 
That's the one where they killed Dracula with puns. I was just like, I was reading this and like, what the fuck is this book? <laughs> some of them were just straight adaptations of the games and some of them went way weirder. Speaking of adaptations, Matt, what two movie adaptations did Small Chris power through in a single sick day? Uh, hmm. Goonies and Raiders of the Lost Ark. Chris, do you have a steal? I think I know this one. Hook and the Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie, not the TV show. Correct. (laughs) (laughs) What movie adaptation got Chris through standardized testing in the seventh grade? Man. Seventh grade would have been 94, 95, if that helps you out. I mean, that also makes me think Hook, but you already finished Hook. I can steal this one if that is your answer. Yeah, go ahead. The correct answer was a Batman Batman forever. forever. Correct. Last question of the last round of the game. Is this the, is this the toss up? No, this is the last question for Matt. Okay, Matt, what does Chris feel a show should do when it gets to season fourteen? I feel like we have discussed this. We absolutely have discussed this. Damn. Can you an answer? Start over. <laughs> uh, I'd like to steal. Ooh, ooh, I know this one. Yes, Chris. I said this in the context of Grey's Anatomy. They should go to space. Oh yeah. Okay. Correct. Yes. Going to be Grey's Astronomy. Yes, Grey's Astronomy is what I wanted it to be. All right. So the end of that round, Matt, you had 17 points. And Chris, with a staggering coming from behind victory, 30 points. Um, Can I just say, it is probably the most damning indictment of me as a friend <laughs> that I got all the questions about Matt wrong and all the questions about myself correct. <laughs> I mean, I did similarly on yours. It's just, you know, they are very specific questions. They're very specific questions. There was also a moment, I feel, in that last round where I actually could, like, hear the noise of Matt getting serious. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's always a point in the quiz where someone just, like, locks down. They're like, all right. You know, the equivalent of cracking your knuckles. <laughs> well, that is the end of the show. Thank you very much, gentlemen, for coming on. Chris, if people wanted to find your stuff on the internet, where would they go? People can go to the-isb.com. That is my homepage, and I'll have links to all the stuff that I do around the web, columns, podcasts. Make sure you do find those podcasts, because you will be hearing Matt Wilson eat some bad Oreos pretty soon. (laughs) That will happen. It will indeed happen. Matt, what about you? You can just go for me to mattdwilson.net and find links to all the podcasts I do with Chris and others. You can find links to my books. You can find links to my comics and all my social media stuff. It's all there at mattdwilson.net. All right, and thus ends the great Ajaxian bash. That was a good time. It was a good time. <laughs> yes, good game, good game. GG, everyone. The Meth View is recorded in Leichhardt, New South Wales, Australia, and is written, hosted, and edited by yours truly, Lucas Brown. New episodes are released every Wednesday evening, and if you'd like to be a guest on the show, simply send an email to themethofyou at gmail.com and tell us what you'd like to talk about. 
You can follow the show on Twitter at The Math of You, and you can follow my wacky adventures at Lokified, L-O-K-I-F-I-E-D, on Twitter and Instagram, and Lokified82 on Snapchat. If you have a few dollars kicking around and would like to directly support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash and pledge as little as a dollar a month, or you can pledge as much as you want. You can pledge $500. That would really impress me. I would be impressed by that. Patrons get access to bonus cocktail recipes, cursive tweets, physical mail, and I would just really, really appreciate it. If you want to support non-monetarily, you can go to Apple Podcasts in the country of your choice and leave a five-star rating. You can also leave a review, and I'll read it out on the show. Won't that be nice? If you like the music I play on the show, there's a Spotify playlist for that. You can go to bit.ly slash themethofyou, with capitals at the beginning of each word, to find a Spotify playlist going all the way back to episode 1 with every song I've ever used, which is like 11 hours worth of music. Including this one. It's Protect Your Neck, by the Wu-Tang Clan. Because of course it is. I update that playlist every week when the episode goes live, so make sure you subscribe to get the new music in your ears. Next week, I will be speaking to frequent judge on the Smash Fiction podcast, the ever-mighty Megan Bob, about Selkies, Ron Inish, and Tu Wong Fu, thanks for everything, Julie Newmar. Join me, won't you? All right, at the end of the first round, we have Chris on five points. And Nat on two points. Oh! Wait, I, I buzzed right. it. I got at least two. I got at least three. We can go back Does to that. Do you lose a point? Let me just see, because you got... Let me check. Oh, that's right. You Yeah, you got the Space Jam one. You stole, you, stole, you stole Space Jam one. You got Fast and the Furious one, so that was two. And then I just got the bonus question. Oh, you're bonus right. One, that's three. Right, I will... Is this a is this is this a, is this a raid quiz show, like in the movie Quiz Show? <laughs> it is not. <laughs> All right, let's say it again. And I'm doing actual math. <laughs> After that round, Chris. Are you doing the math of us? <laughs> I'm in fact doing the math of you too.